Let the beauty of what you love be what you do. There are a thousand ways to kneel and kiss the earth. Inside you, there's an artist you don't know about by Rumi. Hello, I'm Matthew Sloan, putting a rock in the basket as I welcome you to another episode of Sun Gems Podcast. Once again, I'm with the magical GFP, Glinda the Good Witch, combined with Ms. Frizzle of the Magic School Bus, with a touch of General Patton, thrown in for good measure, Barbara Rabin. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Matthew. Hello. I'm happy to hear you. Barbara, let's put another rock in the basket because we have all been working on practicing kindness and choosing happiness to create a wonderful atmosphere wherever we go this week. Oh, yes, that's a very good idea. <laughs> in today's episode, we will discuss Barbara's enthusiasm and mastery of teaching and sharing art in the classroom. It was a wonderful paradigm shift to witness and be trained in her approach to teaching and sharing a RT. Barbara, let's start with this two-part question. What does art mean to you in general? And then what does it mean to you in the context of education? Well, art has been a large part of my life and an antidote to the more disturbing and difficult parts of life, parts of world history. It's the opposite to me of war in the most general sense. I'm speaking abstractly in a feeling sense. And so I watch many, many documentaries. I have a huge collection of art books. Uh, I have wonderful art all over my condo. So I live, I live with it, wonder about it, learn about it anew all of my life. So when it comes to introducing art to children, I went about it with the same consciousness, the same attitude that I did to our first school rule, enjoy yourself. So the first question is, what colors do you like? Do you like to draw? What do you like about art? Do you have any art in your room? Do you notice illustrations in your favorite books? All kinds of questions. The more, the better. And those questions, just like with the enjoy yourself, they have no wrong answer. All the answers are completely acceptable and wonderful and fascinating to one another. Therefore, the atmosphere itself becomes free. There is no time when I am going to say that is correct, that is incorrect, that is the right way to do it, that is the wrong way. And now I'm not, I'm talking about first grade, I'm talking about first, second, third, the, those early elementary years. By beginning that way, everything actually happens and flows very easily. And then the next thing is, of course, what, what do you do now that you know that much? What do you do when you know that much? What would you say? Well, I mean, then what do you do 
once you've gathered the ideas, an atmosphere is actually happening without judgment. Then with children, the doing of art and the discovery can be that art is huge and huge in all of our lives because it's whatever is visual and how do we differentiate what we love from what we don't. And so, of course, along the way, beginning very young, first grade is totally fine, art history. Because if one wants to understand a culture, learning about its particularities in art and how they change is a great teacher. And one of the pieces of art history that is extremely informative. So then with the children, it's wonderful to begin with whatever materials you have. Do the children in your care have magic markers? Do they have just a pencil and paper? And to talk about the materials, what kind of materials can we use? What can we do with these materials? And the purpose is an open-ended attitude. There's a great deal of time and importance in specific technique. However, that's much later. If it begins this way, I found in my experience that it made art lovers and artists at the same time without it being difficult. So lots and lots of materials and exploring those materials. What can crayons do? And there's so many, many things from putting wax paper over them and making little stained glass things to magic markers, paint. How do you use paint? How do you mix color? What are the primary colors, the secondary colors, the beauty of all of the colors? All of those things are part of this. When I was at school, often the teacher would say, oh, so-and-so, they're a great artist. And then you would have the, this hierarchy in terms of who was an artist and who wasn't an artist. How would you embrace an artist's atmosphere so that everyone thought of themselves as an artist? How did you create that? Well, Matthew, I did that clearly, clearly, strongly. And the truth is, I believe it. And so therefore, when we work from what we believe, <laughs> it has more chance of having an enthusiasm with it. I told the children, everyone, everyone can be a reader. Everyone can be a writer. Everyone can be an artist. At the beginning, I'm speaking about, and I am speaking exclusively to children who have enough ability for that in some way to be true. I would be careful about that. However, once said, there is a wonderful quote from Pablo Picasso, one of 20th century's greatest artists, and it is, it took me 50 years to paint like a child. That is a beautiful quote. It's a very interesting quote because 
often adults find it easy to admire little children's art the first grader, the second grader, the third grader, before perhaps some self-consciousness enters. And that's another subject altogether. But at the beginning, saying, I can be an artist, you can be an artist, we are all artists, makes space. It makes an atmosphere that is filled with possibilities. And as I've said before, children are very surprising. It's wonderful. Adults are surprising if we allow ourselves not to come towards them with so many confining judgments that there is not the hope of many possibilities. So uh, yes, everyone is an artist and let's see what we can do. As I look at children's work and as i say oh look at that look at that you used a lot of pink you used a <laughs> lot of black whatever it is they that's another part of the atmosphere they discover that the reality they're living in with me as their teacher is oh she means it any color is fine any design is fine wow i'm okay beginning with this and so though that attitude as any important attitude has to be lived moment to moment to moment and then much more can can happen could you share with us some of your favorite art projects that you did with children that would give you joy and then would create a great atmosphere in the classroom well there's so there's so so many there's so many matthew a one whole genre of projects is the very personal a family portrait it's just classic however what's wonderful about it is not to criticize it oh you know the mother is really big and the sister is really small and never mind the psychological interpretations just <laughs> explore the fun of drawing whoever i live with and that is what family is whoever we're living with and it can be with favorite dress up clothing with favorite play clothing outdoors indoors at a birthday party one idea like that could provide five six so many projects another one is which is about me the idea of the child a quilt a fav a quilt of favorites just on a big piece of butcher paper after i would because these are young children draw lines in big fat squares a little bit like a quilt then the children would make borders that is another art project what is a border what is a frame and that can take you through art history and everything else if you want to any idea that is interesting if explored can lead to research of all kinds 
and something that you don't know at the beginning of it, the searching out of an idea. And that's exploratory fun. And it's just, yeah, it's very, very meaningful. Anyway, so a favorite quilt, once children have made over a period of time, frames with curly cue lines and stars and hearts and however they want to do it. And a great many ways could be spoken about. And that always, I must say, is very helpful to really build possibilities with the children. And then they do whatever they do. But I wouldn't just say, oh, make a frame. I don't assume that they know too much about framing. But in explaining and talking through and having examples, and if I draw anything, always erasing it, so I am not secretly wanting them to do it a certain way, yeah. then they go forward with their own marvelous imaginations. And in the squares, drawing something with your favorite color, drawing a, a birthday party, drawing, you can make anything, uh, mountains, uh, anything in the world. and soon it's it's my favorite time at halloween it it's at christmas favorite holidays and naturally all holidays are simply accepted and if some are new to anyone in the room then we research it and we we understand it we could then have people come in and talk about it uh, it, I can't stress enough how one idea thought about at all leads to hundreds of possibilities. So that is just a little bit about the one. child. Oh, one last one, a mandala. We always would do that, or I did it many, many times. So you put yourself in the center on paper and then a bigger circle, bigger circle, bigger circle. And it's a, simply a way of looking at what matters in one's life. And each circle getting bigger has wonderful things in it. And then studying of art in the manner of, in the manner of Picasso, in the manner of Mondrian. So you're only dealing with red, white, blue, and a small black line and you're dealing with geometric shape and that can be done by cutting out rectangles in blue yellow red having people play around with those doing it with paint doing it with markers doing it with crayon doing it with colored pencils doing it on paper of many many different sizes by doing it that way and several projects about the same artist, for example, the one Mondrian, uh, children can learn to look at something takes patience, curiosity, and actually, if we're going to know much about it, a long time. And at the same time, there are many ways to look 
at anything and everything. So first we have a 12 by 18 piece of paper, then we have a small piece of cardstock. How are they similar? How are they different? Do we look at them from a different distance? So then you have aesthetic distance. It, it just goes really on and on and on, Matthew. It's limitless. It, it is, it's true. The thing that you're bringing up though, that these, and I like to embrace in the classroom as well is, not necessarily having okay we've got an hour art you have to get this done in an hour how what time frame did you see to give people a perspective on what time frame would you give to some of these projects i think what's important about time frames is to as with most things is to talk about it with the children to talk about the schedule of the day you know early in the morning how does today, how will today, probably, there's always a surprise, probably <laughs> unfold. And so you're going to go to the science room. This is in a classroom. Now, if everybody is at home and one is arranging everything so a child can do some art, it's, I think it's good to allow enough time for a child to use student's imagination. And then there's a time to close it. And those are things, like most things with people, it takes perception and experience. And you see if you were right about extending the time or is it easier and, and more comfortable for everyone in this project to restrict a certain amount of time. And then of course, as important as anything with art, it's materials, clean up. How do we set it up? How do we clean it up? And then of course, the students are learning, we are responsible as much as practically possible for the mess we make, for the fun we have, for the paints, for the toys we take out, in learning that process of putting things away and with art, cleaning brushes, cleaning paint that's on the floor, all kinds of things, it's a wonderful learning. That's very much part of it too. But the question you asked really in the beginning, all right, we have from 9.30 to 10.30 for this project and at 10.30 we're going to have a snack that means I need to tell the children the time is over at 20 after 10, approximately 10 minutes for cleanup. And the truth is having times that are designated like that are, are very healthy for a child and very healthy, especially with student at home, where it's like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> and no one knows, what are we going to do next? I can't think of anything that matters. And, and so making goals and schedules and time, knowing they can be renegotiated, of course, is practical and can create a stability and an understanding and a sharing of, okay, this is my day as a teacher, this is 
your day as the student. This is our day. And so we need to look at it. And then we live it as best we can. One of the favorite projects that I saw you do, and I, I ended up doing with children as well, is the In the Manor of Georgia O'Keeffe and the flowers, painting the flowers. Oh, I that, love that one. What was the inspiration for you behind that? Well, I, I've loved her work forever. And Stieglitz and yeah, I just, George O'Keefe is, is one of the great 20th century artists. I had a large, large art book. Um, oh gosh, I wonder, two feet by three feet, it was huge. And it was exclusively of her paintings of flowers. So there they are, gigantic. In the beginning, there was a quote of hers about friendship and life and seeing. And it so much has said, we pass by flowers. They're often so tiny, they're so small, and we're busy and we're on our way thinking of something else, going somewhere else. And we don't stop and really look at extraordinary beauty. And she said then, so I decided I will paint them so large that when people see them, they have to stop and look at them. That is a wonderful, honest truth. So I used it with children, and then they would paint huge, beautiful flowers of many, many, many shapes. And they did it in her manner, the manner of George O'Keefe. And yet, naturally, they could make any shape any colors they wanted, and we would hang them all around the classroom. And it was gorgeous and very fun. That was a, another thing that was so wonderful as well, is when you'd have these amazing pieces of art that the children had produced, and then you could invite another class in to see the paintings and the pictures that they'd created. There's a lot of learning even in that yes. process as well, having like an open gallery type environment. Yes huge amount of learning with inviting people to look and for that it takes the rules and it takes questioning it takes asking children now if I'm going to look at several people's flowers in this case say how can I speak about it they're all going to be different Will you like them all exactly the same? Maybe not. What kind of comments would be kind, honest, and at best, insightful? And then I would model comments. I like that purple. Oh, look at the shapes. Those are interesting shapes. They're fascinating shapes. Oh, I like what's in the middle with all that brown. Be specific and find one aspect to be appreciated. Once all of that is established, it's a lot like car wash. What can I say to that person that's good? Then children can go through. And they can make all kinds of comments because I have eliminated the possibility of, oh, I hate that. 
oh, that's yucky or whatever. And see then in another time, let's talk about that. Let's talk about our feelings immediately, our reactions to what we see. They're very fascinating, but they can be looked into. They can be explored. And my first reaction is not necessarily what I need to live with over time. In other words, I can learn. I can grow. I can gain a larger perspective. I can actually have multiple perspectives. All of those things are going on all the time. But yes, then everyone could visit. And if people are at home now, and your children or child is seeing maybe one or two others, that can be set up. And it can be viewing the gallery in the kitchen, in the living room, wherever, in the studio. And it can be set up with the kind of conversation and ideas and caring. That's what will make it successful. Then a rock goes in the basket. And we're all learning to practice kindness and choose happiness <laughs> yes. in those moments. Yes. So yes. What, another beautiful thing that we used to do was introducing music into that environment and we'd get the children to express their feelings and thoughts. Is there anything that you yes. would like to share about that with us? Oh, Matthew. Yes. Uh, different kinds of music just like different kinds of stories, different kinds of art, we react to with different thoughts, different emotions. And so that is a very meaningful topic because sometimes music that a family, that a child loves is very enthusiastic, very lively very let's move, let's really move, music. And what kind of drawing would you feel like doing with that playing? Or what would happen if some very peaceful classical music was played? How are they similar? The same notes made all of them, but they're very, very different in feeling and the feelings one has listening to them. And children learn to appreciate different kinds of music. Bringing the music in, that reminds me of a quote that you shared that you haven't brought up yet, but I think it's really worth just repeating here. To draw, you must close your eyes and sing. That's a beautiful quote. Do you know who that, where you got that from? I don't. I don't know that, but I love that idea because it brings the possibility of creating way inside the individual. And it also somehow makes the idea very lighthearted. Although I think it's very important to not bring one particular kind of beauty perhaps a classical beauty, to the history of art and definitely to self-expression because art can shock us with its ugliness in every way. 
And it should, if that's what the artist intends. How do we look at that? And what do we think about that? The danger being, if I speak too exclusively about something, then the children having to survive, being in the classroom all day, will automatically decide that what I said was right and what they're thinking is wrong. And I don't want that at all. So with a lot of freedom in an atmosphere, it's very possible then I can say my favorite artist has always been Rembrandt. That's fine because it no longer indicates, okay, I need to use a lot of dark colors. And I mean, that would be a very hard act to follow. (laughs) (laughs) One of the favorite projects that I did with the children was using just three colors. You talked about it earlier, learning to mix colors. We had red, yellow, and then black. And I just, I gave them the poem by William Blake, The Tiger, and I'll just read the first verse of it. And then we did art based on this poet, on his poem, The Tiger. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? And then we had them working on mixing the color paints and finding they would create their own tiger. And the poem goes on and there's amazing imagery in that poem. And it was so wonderful for them to learn about William Blake, the poem, and then put that inspiration into their painting. Was there ways that you would like to use poetry and writing with art? Always, always, Matthew, always. And as Hafiz says, a poet is someone who can pour light into a cup, then raise it to nourish that beautiful, parched, holy mouth. And I think you can easily, of course, substitute an artist as someone who can pour light into a cup because art exemplifies what is not yet. And that's a glorious, glorious thing, just as great writing. And so, yes, story writing and original story writing and illustrating it, however each student wanted to, is another way to use, to include art. Given that idea, I always differentiated between Maybe this is long gone in educational thought today. I don't know. But it used to be that many teachers would say, oh, we're studying Abraham Lincoln. And oh, our art project is building a log cabin or drawing a log cabin. And I would say, you know, go ahead. Draw any kind of architecture that interests you. However, fine art. There's a place for the glory of art, unattached to the study of anything else. And I know earlier I said, it's how we learn about culture. It's one of the ways. All of those things are true. And it's true with most great ideas I find. 
they're ultimately very mysterious and filled with paradox sometimes. And to live with that is simply to become more aware. Perfect. Now we've come to the end of our show. Barbara summed it up beautifully with that final quote about art. Materials are available on our website, that's at sungems.live, to support you in practicing ART. Again, we encourage you to send in your questions to one sungems at gmail.com. That's numeral one, S-U-N-G-E-M-S at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Put a rock in the basket for getting to the end of our wonderful show and engaging with us. And join us next time for another episode of Sun Gems Podcast. Oh, that's Goodbye. beautiful, Matthew. That is so beautiful. Thank you.